Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Psych Legal Pop Podcast. This is a podcast where we discuss popular culture through the lens of an attorney and a therapist. I'm Brooke Brigham. I'm the attorney. And I'm Tess Brigham. I'm the therapist. So today we are talking about the Netflix documentary, Pamela, A Love Story. Yes. About Pamela Anderson Lee, now Pamela Anderson, formerly (laughs) married to... A Uh, lot of people. A lot of people, but most famously... uh, Motley Crue drummer Tommy Lee. Have to say, Motley Crue, probably one of my oh yes. like favorite bands <laughs> ever. I've seen them in concert like five times. Oh my, really? Yeah. Oh, I didn't even know it was that many. Yeah. Love them. But anyway, um, so this is a, a documentary that was um, you know, she had uh, you know, she she has a huge hand in it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's her son, her son, her son, produced her son it. Brandon yeah. produced it. And, you know, she's the narrator mm-hmm. of the story. And so it's very, very personal and authentic. And, you know, you're hearing it straight mm-hmm. from her. And it's very sincere. And we were just talking about how, you know, the through line that she uses throughout this documentary is that you know, she Tommy Lee was the love of her life. Mm-hmm. Um, it was such a, a wonderful love story. And and um, after they broke up, she just never loved anybody like that mm-hmm. again, was always searching for that kind of love. And it's kind of come to the conclusion that she'll never find that love again. Mm-hmm. And that if she can't be with him, you know, the father of her children, because her children are very central to this Mm -hmm. you know she feels this great deal of well and and i'm sorry but she she ended her relationship with tommy because of the children right to protect protect the children so i think that she has been i mean obviously she and her children have a wonderful relationship Mm -hmm. they obviously love and care about you know about her yeah so but you know i I was just saying you know i'm not really sure if i would call this a love story Mm -hmm. i think i would call it more of a um infatuation and you know this goes back to her so her parents who got married very young her father was an alcoholic her her she had a very chaotic um 
upbringing. Mm-hmm. Her parents fought all the time, but then they they would fight hard, but then they'd get back together and then they'd just be having sex like yeah. all over the house. You know, I mean, it was like so intense back and forth and off and on. And her parents are still to, together mm-hmm. to this day. And she, she romanticizes that. Yeah, she does. And she um, very much equates, you know, love as being this crazy experience. Mm-hmm. The, like these high highs, even though, you know, there's these low lows, she really fixates and focuses on that, that high when they were in love. And when things were good, they were so good. But I mean, when things were bad with her and Tommy, they were really bad. Yeah, really. And Tommy was an alcoholic. I think he's been sober a couple of years. Yes. But he was an alcoholic throughout their entire relationship and during their kids lives Mm. growing up. And so so it's kind of hard for me to be like, oh, you know, this, you know, unrequited love story. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't feel that way to me. What do yeah, you think? No, I agree. I agree. I, you know, I've been married almost 20 years and I can tell you that that passion and craziness and all of that is great. But if you, you know, I think that Pam wants we're close, so close, Pam. Uh, Pamela wants that crazy love and she wants it all the time. So she mm-hmm. keeps marrying people thinking like, this is crazy. This is amazing. This is wonderful. And then inevitably that will die out with mm-hmm. just anything. It will just die out, period. And um, and you have to then decide, you know, am I committed to this person? I'm going to build a life with this person. And you have to recognize that those grand, those grand, amazing, passionate moments aren't going to feel the same way. And they've done studies on this. There's a whole book called Love where they talk about this. Like after the initial first two years, like there's this drop for people where even if you were ripping each other's clothes off in the first, you know, uh, couple months of being together, when you get to two years, you're going to get bored. I mean, look at Angelina Jolie and Brad Pitt got got tired of fucking each other. I'm sorry. (laughs) Like those two beautiful, beautiful people could got to the point where they're like, I cannot stand you. You know, I don't want to look at you anymore. So what she's been searching for doesn't exist. Right. Because she wants something that is always going to be high, crazy high. She loves the crazy highs and she keeps seeking them and searching for them. And what's really interesting is she's now here in her fifties and she kind of laughs about how like She's 50s. No one wants to see my body anymore. You know, I'm an old lady, but she's still looking for this. She's still searching for these highs or something, mm-hmm. I, you know? But yeah. Anyway. Well, so that's that's sort of our, an, uh, you know, <laughs> our, in a nutshell, our analysis. But we are going to go through. Um, it's, it's, it's a lot of facts. It's a lot. It was a fairly long, um, it's a full solid two hour documentary. Well, and the other thing too is, which I always think is really interesting is, is that she has been, you know, it opens up with her like pulling out these videotapes and obviously Mm -hmm. videotape is something that's a through line in in her story and Tommy Lee's story and, and what happened to her. But the other part of it is, I think it's so interesting when you trip upon these documentaries about someone where they film themselves all the time. Yeah. Like, I, f- I can't, it wasn't coming to me when I was watching it, but I feel like I've seen a lot of documentaries like this where they have all of this material, footage, yeah. this footage, because they were constantly videotaping everything all the time. Oh, yeah. And just, there's something about that that's yeah. real, like, why? You know, and she, right. she said that. She said, yeah, you would open up a tape, put it in the thing, film everything, and then 
you know, label it, label it, put it back, put it back in. And then you put another one in and it's on and on and on and on, which I think is very odd. Why do you need to videotape every single moment of your life? I don't know, because I under record everything. I mean, even when now with the ease of iPhone, I, I, I never record stuff. I don't know. It's just not in I didn't grow up like in this, you know, digital age. And even when the, we had the VHS cameras yeah. and the tapes, what I, I didn't do it then either. I don't know, but some people are really into it, but it was interesting. Yeah. Cause it opens up with her like going through these boxes and boxes mm-hmm. and boxes, of VHS tapes, and she's playing some of them. And, you know, it's like, there's a video of her and Tommy in Venice and yeah, there's like flashes of her life. Yeah. Like he's riding up on a horse dressed as a knight and proposing to her again. And she makes a comment and she says, that was it. That was my time to be in love mm-hmm. as if she had yeah. one chance Yes, and, and it didn't work. And so she's never going to be in love. I thought that was interesting, but um, anyway, so, you know, she, well, she's from, so we go back to her modern day. She's in this mower, you know, and she lives. So she's back in the town where she grew up in, which is Lady Smith, British Columbia in Canada. On Vancouver and on, Island. And on Vancouver Island. Well, yeah. And this is the house she grew up in. Mm-hmm. And well, she, well, she said they grew up in a shack. So I think that well, she, I think she built she re- a house yeah. or they rebuilt it yeah, with her money. It's now much yeah. bigger, but she's living there with her mom and I guess her dad. Yeah, we don't see him there. We don't really see him much. But um, but yeah, we, we learn about... And she has a younger brother. Um, but we learn about exactly what you said earlier about their parents. The parents married young. Dad was an alcoholic. She said he was a con man poker player. Yeah. You know, sounds, and... <laughs> she liked the bad boys. Yeah. <laughs> and she had, you know, there was a lot of physical abuse between her parents when yeah. she was young. Well, her mom was... Um, they married when her mom was 17. Her dad was 19. Her mom was pregnant when they got married. Yeah. Drinking violence. Um, the mom left the dad a few times. They had to go on welfare. And then I think what would happen is dad would roll back in and then the cycle would keep going. Yeah. And she had some really dramatic stuff. Yes. She had a babysitter who molested her. A female babysitter. female babysitter who molested her for three or four years and Pam said one day she tried to stab this woman in the heart with a candy cane pen. Mm. And she said she wished she was dead. And the next day, the woman died in a car accident. Yeah. And she thought she caused it. She thought she caused it. She blamed herself. And then she was raped when she was 12 by a 25-year-old. Oh, yeah. um, but yeah, her whole life, she uh even before the VHS era, she recorded everything. She had these yes. boxes and boxes of diaries. Like everything that happened to everything her. Everything that happened to her every day of her life written on legal pads and the tapes and so yeah, so she's been recording mm-hmm. her entire life in some way. And um yeah, she said she was always attracted to bad guys. And um when she left the island it was like she was doing this really kind of crazy thing because she said when you grow up on an island, the mainland is a scary place. Yeah. <laughs> Even though it's just uh, Vancouver well then, Island. And, and this is what I think is so interesting about her is she really just kind of it's interesting. And she admits this many times where it's like there's no plan. 
Like, it sounds like she never has plans. And so she just kind of floats through life. And she always has all these boyfriends. And she's talking about how, right, in high school, her first boyfriend would, they would get into physical fights, mm. you know, and he, he tried to ride of a car. Yeah, and he tried to run her over. And then after she graduated, she got, went to Vancouver. And then she kind of was like moved in with someone. And then he thought she was, you know, she thought he was cheating on her and, and it was just, it's just sort of like one bad relationship. And then she famously, this is how she's discovered. In 1989, she went to this BC Lions football game in Canada. And she was on the drum jumbotron. She was wearing a Labatt's tee and her friend worked at Labatt's. And the friend was like, stand up, stand up, show the Labatt shirt. And then they invited her on the football field. And then she came back up and Labatt's found her and wanted her to start into commercials. And that really was, I mean, I will say the one thing with her was she really didn't have this long period of struggling. Like she really was discovered. I mean, she has like that classic sort of story, that Hollywood story of on randomly went to something, had no right. plans, jumbotron. Then this person sees Well, and them. then what happened was Playboy yeah. contacted her, which again, this really, you know, we, we also had a past episode about the secrets of Playboy. And one mm-hmm. of the things we talked about was that the Playboy brand is, you can't, it's not enough to just be this beautiful woman with a certain kind of body. You have to be the girl next door. Mm-hmm. And that's what she is. Yeah. And they saw that. Mm-hmm. And they said, get get her to Hollywood. Yeah. And she she was so naive that she didn't realize that she um, had to have a passport <laughs> to go from <laughs> Canada to the U.S. So she goes to the airport and they're like, because, uh, you know, Playboy is flying her yeah. into L.A. So they deny her to get on a plane. She had to go to, on a Greyhound bus and hope that they didn't yeah, they ask didn't. for her passport and they didn't. So then she got to Seattle, got on an airplane and just showed up at the Playboy Mansion. I mean, that, yeah, you're, yeah. Talk, you're talking about being plucked out of nowhere because yep. you're this beautiful girl next door. Yeah. So this is when she, you know, they got her, they dyed her hair blonde. Um, she talked about being painfully shy and really unsure about her body. She developed late. Um, when she had all the shame about her body because yeah. of the sexual abuse. Yeah. And then she talks. And then that's when she talks about the rape and what happened. And she didn't tell anyone. And she says that posing nude made her feel like, you know, something changed inside of her. Mm-hmm. You know, like some she felt empowered for the first time in her life. And she just it was like, oh, this is easy. You know, this is fun. This is me. Um, and then. So this is 19. She was Miss February 1990. Oh, she was. I yeah. think this was 89. Well, 89 was Lola Bats thing. Yeah. yeah. Was well, so that so when her it, her issue they, came out? Um, so they told her to stay in L.A. and they wanted to make her a playmate, a playmate. And then is this when she got the boob job? This was very confusing to me because I always thought that she had those boobs before. Like, I, I wonder she she obviously is very honest about the fact that she had a boob job. Right. But. Was it done in Vancouver? No, I don't think so. Do you think it was Playboy who play- paid for it? Because she I, didn't have any money. I don't know, but her boobs looked great in that Playboy. She it did. did. She did under- not need yeah. a boob job. If those were her natural breasts in that in that original thing, yeah. no. Why did she? she I they don't were know. Big. They were perfect. I don't know, but no, I'm sure she did. She never. T- she she never talked about the timing of yeah. that. But I think it was after. I think it was maybe like um, you know, the t- around the time when she even Baywatch, I don't think they were that big. I'm trying to think, because she's in her bathing suit. They're not like, 
yeah. spilling out. I don't know when she did it, honestly. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. But yeah. it's something that people asked her constantly. And that, again, is a through line in the show where they yeah. talk about it's just she always has to act, you know, all of these interviews ask her questions about her boobs, her sex life, this and that. Like, but that's all they wanted was, to talk that's about. That's all they wanted to talk and about. And this gross Matt Lauer, who Ugh, we, we now know was is a pig. actually committing sexual, you know, premeditated sexual assault, said, to her, can we talk about your breasts? And he just kept asking her more and more questions. And yeah, throughout the whole, all these Larry King and Jay Leno and David Letterman, all these, the first thing they ask, they want to talk about her boobs. It's so gross. When I look back on that stuff, I'm just like, God, thank yeah. God all those people are just gone. Yeah. Yeah. That's awful. It's hideous. Well, and so she said at the time, Playboy was like her agent. And I have to say, this is the other thing is, as all of these stories are coming out about Playboy and all of the Playboy scandals and everything that's happened, she's very lucky, right? Because she could have, she was so naive and so like, you know, she had this apartment, there's no furniture. Mm-hmm. She was like just from Canada, right? That nothing happened to her there. Well, you know why? Because when she was a playmate, um, that was the time when Hef was married to Kimberly. Mm. So everything was that whole period and other I think Holly Madison, other people have talked about oh, this. Oh, they have, where things were like... Things were shut down. Yeah, mm-hmm. like Kimberly did not allow... They still had the pool parties and whatever, but it was a totally different scene. Yeah. It was not like it was... Oh, earlier, because it was just... Holly Madison was on this other show I watched, this true crime show called The First Degree. Mm-hmm. And... um she was on there talking about this particular story. And again, it was just another story of Playboy ruining a woman's life. I mean, you know, and I was just, so that's why I always, I thought it was like, why didn't anything happen to her? But you're right. I guess that was what was going on. So Playboy was acting as her agent and they kept getting, people wanted to hire her for this show called Baywatch that was very popular. Mm -hmm. That it was like, and Baywatch was a weird show because it wasn't on ABC. It was on, it was on syndication. Like it was a, it was almost like this, early syndicated show because it wasn't on one of the big networks it Mm. wasn't it was and it was on at different times it was very strange but um the show was very very popular but she kept not going to the auditions well she can't want to do it she canceled on them 11 times because they wanted her to go to marina del rey and that seemed very far (laughs) seemed like a long drive to her yeah yeah. yeah, I didn't realize it was, she said it was the most popular show in the world. It was like the number one show in China. See, I mean, I honestly, I I don't think, I've never seen an episode of Baywatch. I, I It's pretty bad. I think I've seen scenes here and there. And I mean, they obviously hire people for their looks, not yeah. their acting talent. And right, I mean. Oh, David Hasselhoff. Oh, yes. I'm sorry, <laughs> David Hasselhoff. And then we flash back. We're talking about that. She's talking about the slow motion running and you know, the casting directors were talking about how magnetic she was. And, um, you know, they went to Europe to promote Baywatch and it was crazy. And then we flashed to present day and she starts telling us about how she got married recently. Yeah, she again. married her, a contractor. And she's like, yeah, he's a very normal guy. I thought I would try it. <laughs> Met him well, in Canada. Like, since, yeah, since that divorced. filming, they've since divorced. But that, it was just a little like, okay. So, but yeah, she but she dated a lot of a lot of guys People who I didn't realize, like Mario Van Peebles, yeah. <laughs> Scott Bayo, Dean Cain, Eric Nice from that show. I never watched Real World, The Real World. David Charvet, who was her co-star. 
And then she met Kelly Slater, who was on Baywatch, but he was like this real heartbreaker type, like you couldn't hold him down. Um, So in Los Angeles, 1994, so she's dating all these guys, living her life on Baywatch. She goes, she's a part owner of this club called Sanctuary, and Tommy Lee was there, and he was known as the Motley Crue bad boy. Yeah. But he was... He was very, very aggressive with her. He really liked her. He followed her to Cancun. Yes, essentially. He kept calling her every day and she just wouldn't answer the phone. She finally answered the phone because she thought it might be her agent or someone. And he is asking her to go out. And she's like, well, no, I'm leaving for Cancun tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And he literally just flew down there. Yeah, with his friends. And found her. Yeah. And then this, I thought, was pretty disgusting. Like, okay, so he finds her in Cancun. And um, they they're partying that night and he put ecstasy in her champagne. Well, I got the feeling that she knew that. Beforehand? Yeah. Oh, I thought she didn't find out. I thought she knew. I thought she knew. I thought she agreed to it because I mean, I think, you know, just Pamela's never admitted to any of these things. But I always got the sense that she probably partied a lot and. I always got the sense that I don't think that she she didn't party to the extent of the way Tommy Lee did. Well, I don't think she was a big drinker. I don't know. I I, I, I don't like... think she knew about it. OK, I mean, I'm not positive, but the way she said it made me think, well, if he did slip it in her, then that is gross. Well, yeah, be- because I got the sense that she knew because he asked her to marry him like the next day mm-hmm. or no that, that night. night yeah so of course she's gonna say yes you know he, he put ex- <laughs> she's on ecstasy of course she's thinking but the, but she went through with it right because they they're, they're in they're in cancun and after a few days like four days later they get married she's in this white bikini and they marry on the i beach. know but she uses these phrases when she's talking about this you know these four days together um before they got married she's talking about how um, she thought it would be a clean slate. It was an adventure. It was a fantasy. There were no, no secrets. It was raw love. Mm-hmm. I mean, she's just from the very beginning kind of not in her right mind about yeah. this relationship and what, yeah. it, what it really is. Well, and also she was sort of kind of sort of dating Kelly Slater at the time. So she had to go back yeah. and say, and t- tell Kelly Slater, well, like, oh, he, I got married. I'm sure you heard about it on the news. Yeah. Like, like we all did. But one thing I, I noticed that, you know, they do the 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 tongue thing. Oh, yeah. The way yes. that um, Travis and Courtney. Did. Yeah. I remember <laughs> like, thinking like, you guys where, did not yeah, originate this. You got, they did it first. Yes, this they were not original. So. Now we know where that comes Skinny from. Skinny white, <laughs> you know, drummer, tattooed drummer. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But um, and then she said, well, by the time they came home, they knew nothing about each other. It was almost like, do you like eggs in the morning? You know, do yeah. you, you know, they knew nothing. I don't even know if she knew his like real name. Yeah. She's like, so what is our last name? Yeah. And he said Lee. And she's like, oh, I just assumed that was a, a stage name. Uh huh. <laughs> So, and then she gets into that whole thing about they filmed everything back then. And then we see her in May of 1995. She goes to the Cannes Film Festival wearing this. And I remember there are photos of this everywhere. So this is the 90s and like, uh, you know, everyone had People Magazine and Us Magazine. And there were tons of these tabloids and Mm -hmm. all of that. And so she, um, I remember her going and wearing that like, you know, 
uh, head to toe leather bustier Mm -hmm. and outfit for this. And basically they hadn't shot the movie yet for barbed wire. Mm -hmm. They hadn't shot the movie. They hadn't done anything. Basically they just gave her this outfit, told her to show up. And there was so much attention because she had also just gotten, you know, she's very famous and she's big on Baywatch. She's all this attention. She just has this whirlwind romance, this marriage. And then she shows up to this. And then all of a sudden she said, everything changed. Like the movie, they rewrote it. They did that. And they made it, I mean, I guess I get the sense that she kind of was hoping like, oh, I get this opportunity to do a movie. Let me just kind of do this movie and see how it goes. As opposed to it's instantly became there's just so much attention on it. So, yeah, it didn't do very well because it wasn't good because they, you know. Yeah, they tried to make so many expectations into something else. Yeah. And then she um, and while she and she was talking about how exhausted she was. Mm-hmm. Um, between having to film Baywatch and Barbed Wire, and she was pregnant and she had a miscarriage um, yeah. during that period. She was working so hard. And well, it's also interesting because she said like Barbed Wire failed, but she didn't really care because she lost her baby. Right. You know, right. I, I, I really don't. And that's what I've always kind of thought about her was I always got the sense that she really didn't want to, that she didn't really need to have this big career, that mm-hmm. she really. Because it was never her intention. Like, right. it, literally, she kept it's not falling. not like she grew up thinking, I want to be an actress. Yeah, and- yeah. I mean, she literally just, oh, Labatt's. Oh, now I'm here. Now, Playboy, now I'm here. I mean, she mm-hmm. just kind of got one lucky break after another. And and it truly was. And that's why I'd, I always got so frustrated when I would see her with all this makeup. Because she is such a natural beauty. She mm-hmm. really is. And mm-hmm. it's like, God, I hated when she would pile on all this makeup and do all this stuff because she she is magnetic she is beautiful yeah so then she she got pregnant again and um brandon was born in 1996 Mm -hmm. she said this was a really happy time that i think unfortunately only lasted a very short time but i do want to say so they keep they keep cutting in clips of their lives together right right? from these vhs tapes from these vhs tapes did you notice how many times she said to him Oh, you're drinking. Yes, I have a note here. Dad, oh, look, you've got a beer. Yeah, it's so early. It's so early. Like, many times she commented on the drinking. And she said that he was, I don't know if she said this on while she was filming or something. She said that Tommy was a bad drunk. Yes. Yes. So... Yeah, so it was a it was a very short lived happy um, time. Happy time. So when I guess when Brandon's a baby and um, they're having some construction done at their house for and months so and months and months and months. People going in and out. They showed an aerial view of it. I mean, it was like major construction. There's all these trucks and storage unit type looking things. So anyway, they had a um, out in one of their buildings or garages or something. Um, a gun safe that was like the size of a refrigerator and it had guns and also had all these VHS tapes Mm -hmm. in it. And one day they noticed um, that it was missing. Mm -hmm. And so this is an inside job. Obviously you can't just walk away with something like this. Extremely, extremely heavy. So they didn't know when it was stolen. They called the police and made a police report. But um, shortly after that, they got a VHS tape in the mail and it was, it had like spliced together the sex tape that was made on their honeymoon mm-hmm. um, or when they were in Cancun getting married and spliced together a bunch of some other mm-hmm. sex tape material, naked stuff, whatever. And then Bob Guccione, who uh, 
was the publisher of Penthouse, offered them $5 million for the tape. Now, this is what I didn't understand because how yeah. can they give him the tape? They don't have it anymore. So does that mean he has it? Yeah, I don't know. Saying- I was going to ask you what the legal the legalese behind all of this was, because it's very strange. I didn't watch the new Hulu show because I really I didn't, didn't either. I didn't I didn't want to revisit this. But um, yeah, that's what I didn't understand. So that guy stole the tape. He splices it together. He sends it to them as like a, hey, a warning. Or does he go to Bob Guccione and say to him, like, hey, I've got this tape. And Bob yeah. Guccione is like, well, l- let me let me offer the money. You know, maybe right. let me do this on the up and up it has, and get the rights for it. Yeah, it has to be because, yeah, if he's going to pay five million, then obviously they're going to sign off any, any rights, any rights yeah. to Penthouse. So I think that this whoever stole it was working probably with with Penthouse. Um but, you know, they said no. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, the tape was just out there everywhere. I guess this company, IEG, put it out put it out without was, their permission. They were selling it and you could basically get it anywhere. And this was in the beginning stages of the Internet. Yes, this was it was August 1996 was when the the tape was released. And, you know, this was the time of, you know, it was like dial up. And yeah. I mean, I remember uh, where I was working at the time, like, um, you know, I think one person had the internet, <laughs> had right. internet capabilities on their computer. I mean, it was really oh, and to so to new. download a video, would oh yeah, take like a couple hours for it to fully download, and then you'd try to watch it, and it would, you know, it wouldn't be so like it streaming; it would stall. <laughs> and, so it wasn't really user friendly yet, but what, for porn, yeah. But what was but. But it spread like wildfire because, yeah, but and they were under a tremendous amount of stress. And so they already had the paparazzi. Again, this was the days where paparazzi would follow you around wherever you went. And um, the they already so they were already this very, very famous couple, Mm -hmm. you know, famously getting married, famously just had a child. And then all of a sudden this happens and the paparazzi is everywhere. Yeah. So one night they go out on a date night. You know, yes. Their first night out since Brandon's been born. To the Viper Room. You to and the I Viper have been room. to the Viper Room. Yes. Do you remember that? We saw um, John Taylor of Duran Duran. Duran, yeah. Do, Do you remember his famous song? I don't. Oh. What was the name of it? His famous song. I mean, it was horrible. It was like, put the ring on her finger and don't look back. <laughs> I think that was one of the... Um, I don't know if that was the name of the song or not, but I got the sense that he was being pressured to marry someone at the time. Oh, yeah. All of his songs were about like, you know, just getting married and, you know, his life being over. I don't know. That was his short lived solo career. It was. I hope those tickets were free. If they were, of course, (laughs) there were no tickets. They just put me on a VIP list because, you know. At the time, I think that he was looking for management. Mm-hmm. And so Joni sent me, was like, you go. I'm not going <laughs> to go to the Viper Room at like 10 o'clock on a Thursday. And you were in town. So yeah. I was like, okay, well, let's go. Wow. Anywho, that's a throwback. We are very cool people, too. <laughs> okay. So, the, yeah. So they're coming out of the Viper Room. There's all this paparazzi. And Tommy punches a, a pap. And, you know, mm-hmm. Pam gets pepper sprayed. And it's just a, it's a horrible scene. And so... um so then, you know, oh, this- hold on. But do you do you know that what someone yelled at her? They yelled, Pam, where's your child? Oh, yeah. yeah. And she just turned and was pissed. And, yeah. and you hear her saying like, 
God, I don't get to go out. Right. You know, I one don't time to, in the last uh, like, you know, two years. Or but something. I feel like that was the beginning of this. We'll we'll get more into it. The, this narrative of Pam's a whore. Right. Right. Exactly. Keep going. Sorry. Yeah. So and then this guy, Ed Masri, who I believe that's the same that's lawyer, Aaron the Aaron Brockovich lawyer. Um, he he agrees to take their case you know, against these people who are distributing the video saying, you know, this is an invasion of privacy. And she said that the, the experience of going through, and I think at this point she's pregnant again. Uh-huh. Okay. That when she's doing the deposition. When she's doing Dep- the deposition. So they do these horrible things. Like they take her deposition. They ask about her sex life. She said that they had nude pictures of her up during the depositions and they're asking her about them and so she said she was scared she was going to have another miscarriage and she decided she would just rather just drop the case well yeah here's my question so she said that the the argument that the lawyers the other side's lawyers were saying was because she was naked in playboy she had no right to privacy yeah and i wrote is that a legit legal argument i get is that no okay no but i mean they were they were just they they were pressuring her mm-hmm. to drop the case. They were making it so unbearable mm-hmm. to her, you know, to put it. Yeah. I mean, I think that was their tactic. I mean, of course not. No, nobody loses their right to privacy because they do anything. But I mean, the, we're talking about an antiquated time, you yeah. know, even though it's just the 90s. Doesn't seem like that long ago, but. You know, that was the attitude and that's how they treated her. Like you said, throughout this entire experience that you basically forfeit. If you do stuff like this, you're you're a slut and you don't deserve any respect. You don't deserve any privacy. What are you complaining about? You know, you chose to record yourself and you chose to do this and that. And it's Mm -hmm. like, well, so do millions of other people. Yeah. They just don't. Nobody cares about their video. Well, she she did say at one point, she said, like, they were asking her all these questions about her sexuality. Right. And she said this should she said the feeling was that that this should mean nothing to you, you know, because she's such a whore. And these were Pamela's words mm-hmm. that she was. And she said that Playboy was empowering to her, but the tape felt like another rape. She felt yeah. like she was raped again. Absolutely. And then she also talked about how it was different for her oh, versus yeah. Tommy because Big Tommy's time. a rock star. This actually makes his street cred better yes it helped his career yeah and it destroyed her career so anyway so they yeah they they signed the papers she signed the papers she said just get this i just want this over with um they never made a dime um the tape just did what it was going to do on the internet she was the punchline of a lot of jokes yeah and in fact she couldn't there was a um there was one scene where she kind of confronted Jay Leno mm-hmm. and said, you know, I, I'm the punchline. And they showed, you know, clip after clip mm-hmm, after mm-hmm, clip of him mm-hmm. her, talking about her. Um, and she's like, you know, that really hurts my feelings or something. And he's like, uh, first, he's like, I didn't do that. And she's like, uh, yeah, you did. And, and then he sort of was like, mm-hmm. oh, well, I'm sorry. But she did confront him. Yeah. She said that that wasn't good. And he's like, oh, I, I didn't. I think I think he said something to the effect of I didn't know it bothered you or something like that. It's <laughs> oh, like, oh, God. really? Seriously. But this really solid. She, she felt like whatever career she had was over, mm-hmm. you know, because because, you know, but then we get into Tommy and. Tommy was very romantic, but he was also very, very jealous. Very jealous. Very jealous. She said at first she thought it was cute. Yes. 
but, but not so much. <laughs> and then we start learning about the, you know, the behind the scenes. And I think this is one of the things that we were talking about at the beginning of the podcast, which is that, you know, at the time it was, he was jealous and she was dealing with him and his jealousy and his alcoholism and, and all of that. Um, and I think at the time she probably, you know, that, that's just from everything that she went through with her parents, she just must have just made excuses for him because mm-hmm. this is also this time, you know, this is before they had the kids. This is also this romantic, really romantic time of her life, right? She talks about this time with Tommy to be so amazing and wonderful and romantic, but it's like, well, really what was happening is you were going on the set every day and he was jealous and you would get in trouble if you didn't tell him that you had to kiss someone, you know? Yeah, it's like, he trashed, so this is this? he trashed her trailer. Yeah. Because she had a kissing scene. Yeah. And apparently like the crew, everybody was like, oh crap, Tommy's here. And they'd start to change everything. And I'm like, so this is this romantic time that you're in where you have this partner who doesn't trust you. And, you know, but she, she then, um, yeah, they would have to change scenes and dialogues and all, and all of that. And then she says, I think Tommy had some postpartum because they had now had two children, both. She had those kids back Tommy to back. Tommy had postpartum? Yes. She said Tommy had postpartum because the two kids, they had the two kids back to back. She was working all the time and suddenly she didn't have time for Tommy. And he said that. He admits that in court. He talks about what happened in an interview or something. Yeah, he said he wanted his He wanted his his attention. Back he wanted, he wanted the wanted attention. attention. Yeah, so this culminated in, you know... February of 1998. Yeah, one night they're at home, and this is... So Dylan has been born. He's just a baby. And, you know, this is on the heels of all the sex tape stuff. And, um, you know, Brandon is crawling around on the floor. She's holding Dylan, and he's saying, I want my wife back. And she basically says, you need to grow up, and I need some help here. Mm -hmm. And she said she'd never really spoken to him like that before. And he just flipped out Mm -hmm. and she called 911 and she said that he kicked her while she was holding Dylan. Mm -hmm. And, um, he, he had some other story, but anyway, it doesn't really even matter. Well, no, I think his excuse, cause he goes on some news program and he says, well, I didn't really hit her. I, was it wrong of me to grab her and And shake shake her? her? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Especially with your kid right there. Yeah. But again, what I think is so classic about all of this is, Tommy Lee is like a statesman. You know what I mean? Like he's, you know, he's an old rocker. He's cleaned up his act. He's done this mm-hmm. and that. It's like, no, he's a, he, he, you know, he's abusive. He's and a, and, an abusive and he alcoholic. Abusive alcoholic. And we yeah. all just sort of like, oh, okay. Yeah. And he said, he told that in that interview, his Mia culpa where he, um, yeah, he said that he, uh, he, he, now he's number three. He was used yeah. to being number one. Now he's number three and he just wanted love. Yeah. I'm sorry, it, it that didn't garner any sympathy in me, and he got six months in jail. Yeah, which, which is a which is time. A, which is a lot for a celebrity. Uh huh. I'm surprised. I wonder if he did all six months. Well, it was county jail because mm-hmm. if it's under a year, it's just county jail, and you get credit for, you know, good time. So he probably only did like two thirds of it or something. Yeah, he must have had some priors or something. I mean, that that I was I really surprised. Think, I don't think so. I remember at the time thinking, wow, because I used to be a criminal defense attorney and, you know, uh, 
your first offense, you kick. I'm not saying that this is it's okay to touch anybody, but you know, he kicked her, mm-hmm. which on the scale of things in the criminal defense world is is not great. And he got six months. That was a lot. Yeah. So um But she was done. She, she was, was done. Absolutely done with And him. she still had all of the letters that he'd sent her from jail. Because mm-hmm. she keeps everything. Yeah. This woman is just a pack rat. Um and and it, yeah, and it is really odd too because this line in the sand that she drew, which is contrary to, you know, her parents' relationship, yeah. but yet she seems to kind of idolize her. I don't know if that's the right word. Um, you know, she seems to think her parents' relationship is sort of like symbolic of true love. And yeah, and Tommy's like her true love. So, I mean, good for her. You yeah, know, but it it just it kind of surprised me that she didn't. Well, I think that that they had this true love. And I think for her in that moment in time, it was like, you know, I I didn't have a great childhood because my parents were right. like this. Right. I have these two boys now and I'm going to protect them and care for them. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So um, she said, yes, yeah, she said there was no gray area and. She loved him. She loved his soul, but she wasn't going to yeah, go forward. But and then apparently those early years, I think Tommy was still very much in his addiction. So that kids didn't see Tommy that much. Yeah. And in while. fact, she left L.A. And it was weird because she was with Brandon and Dylan. They were looking at some videos and she's like, oh, because they don't have many memory of this. And mm-hmm. they're they're like in a swimming pool and they're like, well, where is that? And she's like, oh, that's when we were living at Wayne Gretzky's house. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Was so she bizarre. dating him? I don't know. No, because he's been married for years. Oh, okay. I think that she's there. Well, he's it's a Canadian. Canadian. It's yeah. a Canadian thing. Um, yeah. And she, then they're on Bob Seeger's private jet. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, she kind of bounced around. And then um, she, you know, well, she married Kid Rock and they moved to Detroit for a while. Yeah. Well, she then says, like, after the after the tape was stolen, she questioned everything. And she just got to this point where she thought, well, if everyone's going to think I'm a whore, if everyone's going to hate me, then or think me, that I'm trash, then I'm just going to do good with it. And mm-hmm. she loves animals. So she's like, I'll be part of PETA, mm-hmm. you know, and then she's like, if I'm going to be teased and made fun of, well, at least it'll benefit PETA mm-hmm. along the way. Um, and but she did also then say that she never really thought about how all of this would affect her kids. And then we get this interview with Brandon and Brandon says something which I I, I can't imagine for him and his brother where. He felt like his entire life, it was like this dirty little secret. These boys, right? If you really yeah. take a step back, like everybody knows. Yeah, Everyone's your mom wa- has a sex tape. Your yeah, mom and dad have a sex, sex tape. tape. Everyone's seen your mom naked. You know, yeah. that she's seen as this. Your dad's seen as that. And he just said he walked around feeling like everyone had this dirty little secret about his family. And it it does affect you. It affects how you see things. Yeah. And he got into fights a lot. Like mm-hmm. if kids would say anything about his mom, he'd have to fight them. And um, and she said that the kids always found everything out before she could even tell them. Yeah. Because you know? she didn't want to tell them these inappropriate things. But they'd learn. They'd find out anyway. Yeah. Then we get into the money stuff. She never made... So Pamela was not great with money. Not so much that... I think she just never got into, like, how do I monetize this? Like, let me do a bunch of posters. Let me do this. Let me do that. Like, she didn't... Because, I mean, again, this comes back to... Because she didn't have this idea of, I'm going to, 
you know, I'm going to become an actress or I'm going to become this cultural sex symbol icon. Um, she never thought about how to do the business. And because she never got money from the sex tape Mm -hmm. that she had to take a lot of jobs she didn't want to take where she was objectified, but also she always really struggled, struggled with money. Didn't have a lot. Yeah. Brandon said that she was in debt most of her life. Mm -hmm. Not good with money. But yet it seemed like she always, I mean, even though she didn't have a lot of money, it always sensed, but she is always living in nice places and doing things. So I don't think it was that bad. It was just, I think it was more of like, she'd do a, maybe she'd do a job or do a thing and get a couple hundred thousand dollars. And then, you know, then that would be out. And then, and then you know, find she'd get another job. And I think yeah. that, I think that she had, you know, she obviously has lived in Malibu forever. We saw, you know, this home in Canada, the home, you know, where she was staying in New York. I mean, these were all nice places she was in. So I don't think it was that bad, but yeah, no, she's not down on her luck or anything, but I think what he was saying, near. well, and one of the things, this wasn't really addressed in the documentary but in the interviews that brandon and pam have been doing you know he talks about how he felt like that it was so unfair that baywatch the number one show in the world he said she makes like about four thousand dollars a year Mm -hmm. in residuals like she didn't have these good contracts you know that's why i'm saying it wasn't a network show hand to god i i really i think it was a syndicated show so they can really take advantage of people and they do. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. And that's the thing. She's one of the most famous women in the mm-hmm. country. Yeah. In the world. And everyone knows her. You look at a, everyone can identify her yeah. yet. Yeah. She was never able to monetize that. Yeah. So then we get into her marriage to Kid Rock. I was hoping they talk a little bit more about this, but I guess July of 2006, you know, she said they were having fun. He was good to the boys but it didn't really feel like love. It didn't have that same like passion. Mm-hmm. And again, up until that point when they got married, they had been together, broken up, been together, broken up, back and forth, back and forth. And then they finally get married. And then they have like three different marriage ceremonies. And then they break up like six months later. It was crazy. It was just nutty. Mm-hmm. I remember mm-hmm. all that at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, so then she thought, well, I should be married to a friend. So... <laughs> Rick Solomon, who also is very famous for being in a the Paris Hilton sex tape, because yes. th- this was the partner. And um, he's a professional poker player. But he was on drugs. Yes. So they get married, I guess, in October of 2007. And then she didn't realize that he was a big drug addict. And they ended up finding a crack pipe in the Christmas tree. <laughs> so again, but this is the other part of it, too, is, is that... I mean, I understand where she's saying with the plans and obviously she's very, very close to her boys, but I do wonder, and then both the boys talk about this, like these marriages, you know, even Mm -hmm. though she left the abusive, abusive father, there was a little bit of like, but you kind of keep moving these kids around from man to man to man man. And then with Rick Solomon, he gets, he gets sober and she's like, and he'd been sober for years. And so in January 2014, she's like, okay, I married him again. And then that didn't last long. Yeah. It was just a little bit like, why can't you, it's like Jennifer Lopez or Elizabeth Taylor. It's like, why can't you just give it a year? You know, I mean, yeah. again, if you hadn't married Rick Solomon so quickly, I think you would have found, you would have realized that he was a drug addict and you wouldn't have had to do all this. Right. Yeah. So anyway. Well, yeah, her son Dylan says this. He says she loves getting married. She loves falling in love. She mm-hmm, loves getting married mm-hmm. and falling in love. Yeah, she does. She likes that infatuation period. And you know what? If that 
domestic violence incident had not happened with Tommy, I'm sure they would have gotten to that place eventually, too. Yeah. Yeah. You know, where it just became unbearable with the alcohol Mm -hmm. and the chaos in the house and all that. It just that just accelerated it. Yeah. But then she says, well, I wanted to give my kids a traditional family, consistency, loving family. But again, but if you wanted to give your kids like a consistent, loving family, you just said that Kid Rock was very good to your boys. I think Kid Rock wanted, you know, and he had a he had a child at least one child, you know, from a previous relationship uh-huh. too. I mean, he was a father. He was, you know, you can say yeah. what you want about him. I think he's I don't, a, I, he's, don't ag- I don't agree with his politics. No, but, but I think, I he's, think a good, he's a good f- good father. And, and she said he was very good to yeah. the kids and that he, it, that was, it, and it's a little bit like, so you could have had a very stable living in Detroit, you know, like you could have had a very stable loving household and still be with a rock star and still have a glamorous life and security and all of that. But It's this weird... She wants something that doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. She wants her kids to be state, you know, have this loving, stable home, but she wants every day to be fireworks. Well, yeah, she wants rock star excitement all the time, but without the rock star yeah. baggage yeah. And that I comes think, with it. And my guess would be, I don't know about Kid Rock, but I would guess might be, it sounds like Kid Rock's kind of boring when he's not, right? I think he's kind yeah. of a regular guy. I think he he's is. probably like, let's have dinner, let's watch a movie on the couch. He's not, he's not a Tommy Lee. Yeah. He's not at all. He's totally different. Yeah, and then there was another marriage. I forget the person's John Peters. name. I looked this up because, but she does not talk about she him does not, at all. I was like, because she, I was like, he never married Who John was Peters. He? So John Peters was a hairdresser. Uh-huh. If I'm getting this right, hopefully I am. He is. He was sort of the character that uh, Warren Beatty was. Um, oh, in hairspray. For, no shampoo. Shampoo sh- sh- from hairspray. the seventies. No, that's a <laughs> totally different thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, and he was married to Carrie Fisher or Barbara Streisand. So he's a lot older. Than he's her. a lot older. And they got married, too. And again, that was annulled because it lasted literally two oh, weeks. Oh, and isn't this the guy who it was revealed he's left her like $10 million yeah, in his will? I heard about that. Is that him? It has to be. But I don't think he's died yet. No, he hasn't died. But, but I mean, he's, he's going to leave he's her because he loves her. He's a rich old yeah. guy. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. And then she, in 2019, she had this thing where she wanted to move to the south of France. And so she did. And she... But her kids are graduated. So yeah, she now her kids, isn't a yeah, full-time mom right. all the time. Kids are graduated and she hooks up with this soccer player. I don't know his name who ended up crushing her hand yeah. in some type, type of violent incident. So, so, yeah. And then she married Dan, the contractor. Yes. <laughs> well, she says, she says, I've always been attracted to these really hetero masculine men. And they all had this idea that she was a damsel in distress, right. but she, but she wasn't a damsel in distress. And she would she would tell them, like, I don't need you. I want to be here because I love you, but I don't mm-hmm. need you. And the minute they heard that, they would get angry and become violent. Yeah. She and said this cycle it, over and she over. She said again. that that would make them even more insecure and it t- mm-hmm. touches a weird part in them. Yeah. But I also think that there's this, I wonder if a lot of these men, right, there's this real disconnect between... Um, the her image and who she really is right right because i do think that the pamela that we see especially in this documentary and other places you could tell i mean you could just tell from the way she was even with all the makeup and all that like she's just a sweet nice girl who's an independent person who want you know who likes adventure and likes fun and likes to do all this stuff 
And I think that people, I think a lot of these men, especially these rock stars, I think like the image of her with the dressed up and the whatever. And I think that, you know, when she's not that person day to day, because again, the, the other thing that's so weird is if she really wanted passion and love and insanity all the time with Tommy, the thing that the, the fight they got into was about her telling him to grow up. Yeah. You know, I want you to be here and be a parent with me with these children. Again, that's not passionate love. Right. You know? I know what's yeah, what she's looking for just simply doesn't exist. Yeah. No, it doesn't exist. Um, yes. Yeah, so and then she tells us about her parents getting remarried. And then we learn about th- this is actually very true, which is she admits she really loved Tommy. And then she had to stop filming. She left the room. Like there mm-hmm. was a point at which she left left the room. And she just couldn't do it anymore. She couldn't, she couldn't do it. And then we see this card, January 2022, file for divorce from Dan after one year of marriage. Mm. So, I yeah. mean. Well, and then, and then fi- the final part of this is she leaves this voicemail to the producers. Mm-hmm. And she says that, um, again, she's saying she's never gotten over not being able to make it work with the father of her kids so she's just never been able to be with anybody else. And she'd rather be alone than not be with the father of her kids. Granted, her kids are grown men mm-hmm. now. And she said, but she also can't be with Tommy either because it's like a punishment. Yeah. And I was just thinking, oh, my gosh, like you're torturing yourself. You're 55 years old or mm-hmm. something. Your kids are grown and you're torturing yourself with I, the thought of this man who, again, if that, if he had not been arrested for kicking her or whatever, he, something else, so it would they would have been divorced within a year. I guarantee you. Yeah. It was not sustainable. He was a raging alcoholic. Mm-hmm. Well, honestly, I think, and this little plug for therapy, I think, and I don't know if she's been in therapy since, but because she has all of this unresolved sexual trauma from yeah. her childhood, she grew and then became not intended, but became a huge sex symbol mm-hmm. who was object- objectified on this really big level. I think that she's really wrestled with her sexuality, how she sees herself. And I almost think that there is it's back to that whole thing about the the babysitter that molested her and then feeling like I did this with my mind, mm-hmm. that, that this feeling of such shame and and what I should want versus what I do want. And um, I think it's it's just so garbled in her mind somewhere. I just feel like so much of this is that she feels punished. You know, she... she, she Like this is her, this is just her fate. Yeah, this is her fate to be, to be objectified, to things, sexual to, things. To be alone, to, to, be, to not to have be, this love that she wants. Well, but also or, to be raped. To be mm-hmm. to be seen that way, like all of those things, um, because she obviously keeps looking for it. And and but again, as she's mentioned many times, I'm not a good planner. Ha 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 ha. Mm-hmm. You know, there is something to be said for like it doesn't have to be all or nothing, Pam. Like heal yourself. Like I, I don't know. I feel like she thinks she's healed herself, but I don't feel like she's really healed. I don't think that she feels oh, like no, she, she's I a good... I don't feel like she really... I think she likes herself and loves herself and respects herself, but I think at the same time, she feels a lot of deep shame. Yeah, and I don't know if I would say she thinks she's healed. I think she recognizes that she's not... Because she certainly doesn't 
you know, say that or mm-hmm. act like it. I think she knows. And I, I don't know how much work she's done. Um, but yeah, it just seems to me a, sh- a real shame yeah. that she is. This is where she's at still mentally. And then but then uh, she did at the end, we see, you know, she was um, cast to play Roxy in yes. Chicago on Broadway. And she seemed to really get into that and she did a great job she got great reviews and that seemed very empowering mm-hmm. so she needs to do more stuff like yeah. that and i hope that this documentary bring attention will empower her and get mm-hmm. more projects and more jobs because you know she really just seems like a just a nice person yeah you no, know she's always been a nice person well at the same time where she's doing the Roxy, um, the Hulu doc comes out right. or in real time. And I guess the son watched it. She refuses to watch it. And it's interesting because the one thing they do talk about is that they, they made it so that apparently in the Hulu doc, it was described that because Tommy was such an asshole and wouldn't pay those contractors, mm, that was the justification for stealing it, which again, wasn't true, but we had to have right. The, the drama, the dramaturg, you know, the drama of yeah. the thing was we have to make, I guess, what is it? It was, um, why can't I think of his name? That Seth, played? Rogen. Seth Rogen. I think they had to make Seth Rogen a reason or some sort of reason behind him. Well, because they they made this without any consultation with from Pam or Tommy. So they had to make it up. Yes. And so she was pissed too, because she was like, hello, you're doing this now more and more and more. But yeah, I I actually have to say, I like this little ending part with her and the opening night and what she brings to the role of Roxy. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's ended by her saying, you know, she's grateful for the experiences. She doesn't blame anyone. She's looking past her life. Um, and it's, listen, it's been a life. I mean, she has lived. Yeah. She has really, she really, really, she has lived and she, but she still has a lot more to give. She and does. I really hope that this documentary, um, helps her, but yeah. you know, I had to, and she says in the end, you know, so Brandon says she's finally doing what she wants to do and she's not worried about what her boyfriend thinks mm-hmm. or making her husband jealous. And, uh, she says, you know, I'm not a victim. So that's good. But yeah. um, I had to look this up because I remember from that this happened a couple of years ago because I the whole time I keep thinking, God, what are, what is what are Brandon and Dylan's relationship with Tommy like? Yeah. And, yeah. And some weird stuff happened. A yeah. Couple of years ago, so right? a couple of years ago, there was a fight between Brandon and Tommy. Um, Brandon punched him out and Tommy ended up going to the hospital And Brandon said it was related to Tommy's alcoholism. Mm. I guess Brandon had tried to stage an intervention that didn't work out. um, And there was a lot of feuding between the two of them on social media. And yeah, I remember there was one, there was a, I think this happened a couple times where they got into a physical altercation. And because I remember they filmed it like Brandon filmed. Tommy was so drunk that Mm -hmm. he punched him out and he was basically like passed out on the floor, couldn't even get up and Mm -hmm. he was totally wasted. But I mean, so shortly after that, Tommy went to rehab and he has said that he said that he was drinking two gallons of vodka a day, which I don't even know how that's possible and not have alcohol poisoning yeah. how tommy lee is still alive is I, beyond me I, all those guys yeah have, oh yeah anybody in i don't motley know crew. <laughs> anyone yeah. in motley crew it's like it's kind of like yeah it's like keith richards is still alive <laughs> and and tommy lee is still alive um but he did get so he's been sober a couple of years and he's now married to this 
Brittany, Brittany Furlong. Yeah, I follow her on social media. She's one of these people who she's she's very very pretty, but she's someone. She was on Heather McDonald's show. Yeah, Ju- Juicy I, Scoop, I heard, I and she's that. like one of these people who thinks she's really really funny. And she's yeah, kind of not. She's, no, I don't think. She, sorry, I don't think she's very funny. But I think that a lot of people tell her she's funny because she's pretty. Well, and she had when Vine used to be a thing. Mm-hmm. She was like the queen of Vine. She had the most followers. Uh-huh. And Vine was just these little short, like thirty six minute or yeah. videos, very and, very short. And, and she likes to do these little weird videos and things. And sometimes you see Tommy in them or not, but they're never funny. They're never no. clever. They're not. They're not. You know how you see stuff on social media that it's like, oh, this is clever. Like, mm-hmm. this is smart. Mm-hmm. Um, they are kind of just basic, like basic things, just silly videos of like, look, at I'm being silly or I'm doing that. You know, yeah, not funny, not clever. Well, yeah, she's 36 and he's 60. So mm-hmm. that's a really big age gap. Well, and she got in a little bit of trouble because she made a comment or she said something about because now this this now that this this um, documentary has come out. And she's revealed like Tommy's the love of her life. Mm-hmm. And I feel for Brittany in this because it's like, hello, he's married, you know, um, and he's not, you know, we're in this new relationship and it's very hurtful to her. But I think she made some kind of catty comment and then people came for her. I don't and then know. She took it down. Yeah. yeah. I think I looked at the post that everyone was talking about and I don't even I can't even remember. It was so unremarkable. Yeah. Um. And I didn't really think it was that bad. I think she was just kind of poking fun at kind of like trying to say, it's fine. Don't mm-hmm. worry about me. It's fine. But everyone jumped on her for that. And it's just like, oh, God, who cares? And and also, too, who cares? Like, t- it's, it's not Pam is the one saying Tommy was the love of her life. And I yeah. don't, it, it's not the other way around. So why does Brittany care? And also, I don't really think really that she wants to get back together with Tommy. She no. even said it in that voicemail. She said, but I, I can't imagine being with him either because it would be like a punishment. Yeah. So, you know, really, this is just like, this is just something that like, um, yeah, she's got to just get out of this space. Yeah. I don't want to hear about Tommy anymore. <laughs> I want her to, yeah, I want her to just move yeah. on. And like, no, if you're not, if you're not working on yourself, Pam, I highly recommend it. No, but I, I do. I, I want her to heal and to push past these things. I want her to resolve for herself what love is because love is, you know, love can be many things, but love is also showing up for someone, mm-hmm. you know, like continuing to show up day in, day out. You know, like I said, I've been married a long time. So I've been through all of this stuff and you have highs and lows. And then I had an illness a couple years ago and like my husband showed up for me. Mm-hmm. Like that is love. That is like, you know, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that you're okay. That's love. Yeah. And that doesn't, and it doesn't have to be all encompassing and insane and crazy all the time. You can have love and, you know, security and all of that. You just mm-hmm. can't have both. You cannot have both. It doesn't work like that. Yeah, they're not compatible. All right. Well, you started this one. You wrap it up. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe. Yes, please. And please. tell a friend. And yeah, please and thank friend. you. Spread the word. We would appreciate it. If you like this episode, <clears throat> please give us a five-star rating and review. That would really help us out. 
and we will see you soon. All right. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com